This is John Quinn, and this is Law Disrupted. And today we're going to be talking about the art of testifying before congressional committees and preparing people to testify before congressional committees. And we have the perfect person to talk to us about that. And that's Jim Wilkinson. His firm is Trail Runner International. He's based in Fort Worth, Texas, but they have offices all over the world. He's got a resume and experience list that's longer than your arm. He was previously director of communications with the White House. He's worked in the Treasury Department. He's worked in the National Security Administration. He's done communications work for Alibaba and many other famous, well-known firms. Jim, thanks very much for joining us. You bet. You're excited to be here. And, uh, you know, congressional testimony prep. I've testified myself, done countless testimony preps, and it's, it's uh, so much fun. You know, I, uh, I was involved in one myself, uh, did some work for General Motors during the ignition switch, yeah. uh, the, uh, the ignition switch uh, scandal. And uh, so Mary, the, the CEO, Mary uh, Barabara was called to testify before Congressional Committee with the general counsel, mm. uh, a man by the name of Mike Milken. And like the opening question, I think it was from Senator Blumenthal, I'm not sure, but the open, opening question to Mary Barra, the CEO, is why haven't you fired that man sitting next to you? <laughs> and then I, at that point, I knew I wasn't in Kansas anymore. This wasn't the usual type of uh, <laughs> kind of question and answer proceeding that I'm at least accustomed to. But what made me think it would be great to talk to you, somebody, uh, Jim, somebody who knows what you do. I was inspired to look into this by the uh, episode where we had recently, where I think three university presidents testified before a congressional committee and couldn't give a uh, couldn't give a decent answer to the simple question of, you know, if if you know, uh, on campus, if students called for a genocide of Jews, would that violate your university's policies? And we got these mealy-mouthed responses, which were disasters for the individuals involved, at least one. Terrible. A couple of them have lost their jobs, I think. Uh, and followed up with questions. Well, yeah, I had questions like, well, if, they, if it started to, if it turned into conduct, like, it would only invite the policies if they commenced the genocide. Right. So, I mean, how does this happen, Jim? Well, well, well I'll tell you how it happens. So you got to understand, um, uh, when you and I were kids, you had three TV channels, right? If the president was on, you were hosed. You couldn't, all you had was three channels. And Mike Beaver was this great guy who was Reagan's guy that figured out if he had one picture, you could control all three. Well, the game's changed now. And many members of Congress are quite astute in social media because their constituents are having discussions in the new forums. One thing we know about 2024 is there'll be two or three new forums invented this year that you and I haven't even thought about yet. Okay. Yet when people do testimony prep, a lot of times they're looking at like what the major newspapers are asking or what the editorial pages are asking or looking at a very legalistic way. So, so the first failure in testimony prep, I tell people is, you know, first off, you don't want to be a department store Santa Claus. You don't want to try to be all things to all people, but you need to know the people interviewing you and questioning you what people are, 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 are talking about in the forms that matter to them. Now, it used to be you had to guess. Right. You just had to guess because you didn't know. Now, every, you know, your good testimony prep is you, you can say, I, I, when I'm testifying or, or preparing someone to testify, I'll say, here's a document that shows you the 10 members of Congress who are going to interview you. Here's exactly what they're 
their constituents are saying, what's being discussed on the forums that, that, that they look at. Uh-huh. And so, um, and so it's, it's basic sort of Intel work 101 to do that. And, and very few people do that. Um, it's interesting, you know, Congress has the efficiency of the post office married with the compassion of the IRS. That's what you're going to get in, in congressional testimony, <laughs> right? And so... It's not exactly an exaggeration to say that it's not really a search for truth, per se. It's, it, it, it's not a search for truth. You know, we, you will remember, years ago, C-SPAN did not have cameras in Congress. Mm-hmm. Okay? And many, many, many very smart people actually wrote a thesis in graduate school uh, uh, that addressed some of this, but a lot of very smart people think that we actually destroyed debate when we put cameras in to mm-hmm. Congress. I don't, I don't actually believe that. I think you ought to have transparency. But my point is, they're playing to um, the cameras. And there are many very serious members of Congress who do want to seek the truth. But hearing testimony, it, it's sort of 101 to the media that if they can ask a sharp question and get someone to answer something, especially on an issue that these three university presidents are facing, or you talk about with Mary Barra, that's guaranteed that's going to lead evening news. Mm-hmm. And what people forget is this is now won and lost on mobile. Uh-huh. Okay. Congressional testimony is not won and lost in the meeting. It's won and lost on this mobile phone. That's where the discussion's happening. All right. So that, so that, that congressman needs a, like, like Elise Stefanik, when she did that, she thought she might get one quick question, one quick answer and move on. Mm-hmm. Now, th- that was like the ultimate video. It, it, it was so bad. It was like watching a car crash. She was able to, to get that. Well, that, what, what, that, that now runs on mobile. So the point is you got to know what they're going to ask. I, I will, I will tell you this. The people that do testimony prep poorly mm. are the ones that come into their clients and say, here's a book of the 729 possible questions. Mm-hmm. That, and, and that's what most people do. Okay? That, 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 that's exactly the wrong way to do it. You want to put it in buckets. Mm-hmm. You want to say, here's like the four kinds of categories you could get asked. Uh-huh. All right. Here's like the five or six things that the public is talking about. Uh, and how are you going to address that? Okay, because remember, it's like when Dick Cheney shot that guy. Right. Yeah, remember that years yeah, ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and they went on TV and said, oh, we abided by all hunting safety rules. Yeah, except you shot a guy. Okay? <laughs> and so my point is, right. it, is the worst thing you can do is be made to look silly. Mm-hmm. And that's what those members of Congress did to those three university presidents, is they were made to look silly. One final point. You have to understand as a leader when you're preparing someone for testimony. Megatrends. Mm-hmm. So there's a great megatrend happening where people are leaving. What's a megatrend? What's a megatrend? Megatrends are, are things that are happening, tailwinds or headwinds mm-hmm. into your particular area. Mm-hmm. So right now there's a great megatrend of people leaving the coast and moving inward. It was actually happening before COVID. Okay. So new centers of debate are happening all around the country. People have woken up and realized that in the middle of America, we actually have phones and Wi-Fi too, right? And in and, and, and Starbucks too. Mm-hmm. And, and so you've got to understand that, that, one of the megatrends those three university presidents faced is that a lack of trust in elite universities. Mm-hmm. And if one of them had just said, I think it is wrong and I wouldn't stand for it on my campus, mm-hmm. okay, they would have been a hero. I, I, I taught college. I, was, I taught four semesters at John Hopkins. I know a thing or two about academics, mm-hmm. okay? And you, you, you can wrap yourself into uh, your own world and realize that there's a rest of the world out there. So just, sorry to go on and on, but I, I get excited about this topic. No, so, I mean, it sounds to me like the, the preparation that these university presidents got was just simply too legalistic. They're thinking in terms of, well, if I acknowledge it's a violation, then I'm going to get into a debate about what we did. Did it happen? Can I be held responsible? Am I going to be hosted on my own uh, petard? 
for not doing something about this, where the obvious answer should have been, that's absolutely unacceptable. It's repulsive for people to be, you know. It's repulsive. Let me give you an example, a corollary. When I worked in the White House, um, the 9-11 Commission wanted Condoleezza Rice to testify. Condoleezza Rice is a dear personal friend. I, I revere her. Uh, one of the great honors of my life is to, to know her, but also to have worked under her. I learned so much. The White House. But the White House said she couldn't testify because it, violate, it might violate executive privilege. Okay? Look, if you're the National Security Advisor when 9-11 happens, Mm-hmm. Set aside your politics. You should testify. Yeah, you know, thousands of Americans died. That people want to hear. And you had, and so Condoleezza Rice had such courage, and she said, "I'm going to testify." When, when everyone said she couldn't, and she did it. And so, my point is, Condi understands that, um, or understood, just how important it was to answer questions. Uh, I don't know if you saw yesterday the CEOs Zuckerberg and others. Um, I saw that he actually stood up, turned around. And address the members of the families present. Apologize to them. Yeah. And, and, you know, just apologize. Hey, I'm sorry. You know, things are, you know, because because if you're like me, I've got a nine-year-old and 11-year-old. The things I'm seeing on TikTok and and, and the social media my kids are facing are a lot different than the stuff you and I faced. Right. Right. And and, and so that's what parents talk about. Okay. And and that's, you got to remember, the discussion today with the media, there's not actually, I, I say this, people get mad at me. People say there's a liberal bias in the media. Maybe that's true. I don't know. Well, I'll tell you what I know for certain is there's a headline bias. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so their job is to get you to say something interesting. And what Zuckerberg did surprise people years ago, Zuckerberg, I, I don't advise him. Uh, I, I know him, but I don't advise him. Years ago when the movie Social Network came out, you'll remember that. Yeah. What is exactly, it wasn't exactly positive for him. And no. What, what did he do the day it came out? He chartered buses and took the entire Facebook staff to go see the movie mm-hmm. and it completely lanced the boil to the media because it, it showed that he was engaging. So, so it's just, you know, it funny enough, sort of 1950s values, basic, yes, sir, no, sir. Yes, ma'am. No man engagement mm-hmm. wins today. Right. It wins. Just, just say, Hey, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're facing this. Okay. All right. Well, so this is, this is a, this is a special kind of forum testifying before Congress. It's, yeah. it's uh, as you said, uh, not a search for truth per se. People are trying to get uh, sound bites. Uh, people are trying to uh, elicit something that'll get the attention of their constituency. How do you, uh, what advice do you give people who are, are testifying? In some ways, it seems very unfair. If you're Mary Barra and there's been an ignition switch, real failure and, and, and the tragedies uh, seemingly caused, uh, by those GM uh, products, and you know the whole, you know the whole objective here is to expose GM and, and to attack GM and make GM look bad. How do you prepare somebody for something like this, and what advice do you give? Well, first you, you have to get them. I'll put on my psychology hat for a second. You have to get people to understand what the forum is. Let me give you a correlate. I do a lot of work with mixed martial arts, MMA, UFC, and MMA fighters tell you it's scary for two reasons. If you poll people. What, what MMA fighting is, is you simulate murder. That's what they do. They'll tell you. Okay. That's scary. Most people don't want to get in a fight. But then the second thing is they have to do if they win is public speaking, which scares the hell out of people. Right. right? So, so, so it's two of the things that scare people most. MMA fighters will tell you. They'd rather fight somebody than speak publicly. Yeah. Well, same thing with congressional testimony. We've all grown up. People who are in decision-making positions in companies have grown up seeing people like Mary Barra testify before Congress. Okay. This mm-hmm. goes back to, you know, Iran hostage crisis. We, we've just seen this through our whole life. Okay. And so it, 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 it's psychologically, that's a scary moment. Mm-hmm. That, that's, and so 
people get afraid. And so then they say, okay, I'm afraid. It's fight or flight. Well, I got to, I can't run. Mm-hmm. So I got to fight. I'll fight. Well, you're going to lose. Right. <laughs> okay. You're going to lose. Okay. Right. So, 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 you know, as I say, the pain's inevitable. The suffering's optional. Okay. Mm-hmm. You just have to know this is going to be a scary form. A lot of times I'll tell clients, look, watch, this guy's going to give a five minute speech yelling at you and then not even ask the question. Right. <laughs> and then move on and say, thank you. Why do you need to, just to say thank you? Right, and, and, right. and so now, look, I, I would say Congress has a very important constitutional oversight duty. And so you, I, I always counsel my clients, you know, be transparent, try to show common sense, sh- show a met- bring metaphors into it, show how this mm-hmm. relates. Um, because the truth is, you know, I always tell people, I think Lee Harvey Oswald acted alone because I don't think the government's smart enough to have a conspiracy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Somebody would have leaked it. There would have been a memo. Okay. And, and so what I tell you, I tell you is, is that most people don't think that there's a conspiracy. Mm-hmm. There is a small group of people in America that think the moon landing was filmed in Nevada. And those are people you probably aren't going to win over to your side. Okay. Okay. So you just have to come across as likable because everyone knows, uh, smile. You know, everyone knows that it's not good to sit there and get beaten up. Right. Okay. Everyone wonders, how could you testify for seven hours and never go to the bathroom? Right. Right. <laughs> people just have those basic questions. I used to, we used to focus group and ask what people thought of it. And so, um, just realize that you're there to make key points. And I always say, what is the one thing that you have to have people lead with? I remember Dick Clark. I, don't, I didn't like him. Dick Clark testified before the 9-11 commission. Mm-hmm. He had been in charge of counterterrorism in the White House when 9-11 happened. One of the biggest failures, obviously, in intelligence we've ever had. He opened his testimony by saying, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. The American government failed you. Okay. And while I don't like Dick Clark, and I didn't frankly respect him, that was genius. And the entire media superstructure got behind him and, 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 and said he treated them with respect just by apologizing. Mm-hmm. Okay. But what can you, what can you do if you know you're just being put in a bad light? You know, you're being by the, these non questions. It's completely unfair. Uh, you're concerned that, you know, this is coming, I'm coming across very unfair. It's very unfair. I'm coming across very poorly. What do you tell people to do? I mean, does there come, does there come a point where you have to kind of push back? Oh yeah, there does. And you want to have two or three haymaker facts, because remember, you know more about the topic you're testifying on than that member of Congress, regardless of party. And certainly that staffer who prepared them, you just know more than they, you know, than they do. So. Sometimes you have to push back. I, I would say this to you with respect. When we were kids or younger growing up, with you, and you had three TV channels, bad testimony, everybody saw it. Mm-hmm. People saw that. Those are big, iconic moments you and I can think of, okay? Not anymore. Mm-hmm. Okay. How many channels are on your TV right now? Hundreds? I mean, so, so thousands? So, so it's not like people are holding hands and saying, oh my God, I can't believe she said that at testimony. Right. right? So, so you, you have to put it in perspective. And... As long as you don't lie, cheat, or steal, or say say anything illegal or immoral, you're going to be fine. Even even if you get banged up, you're going to be immoral. I'll give you a chance. Okay, there is nothing that a technology CEO can do today before Congress in testimony that's going to convince convince parents of nine year olds and eleven year olds like me mm-hmm. that they've lost complete control of these platforms and it's hurting kids. Nothing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, I have eleven year old daughter. Mm-hmm. You know, who, who's doing great. God bless her. She's got friends that have body image issues because of what they see on TikTok. Okay. So you're just not going to convince me that that's not real because remember, remember, and this is important. Okay. For testimony, people remember what they hear first, what they hear most often and what they hear from someone they trust. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so 
Um, those three things. And so you have to, do I trust this human being testifying? Mm-hmm. I may not like them. Mm-hmm. Do I trust them? Right. I'm, t- you know, I'm a trial lawyer and preparing people for cross-examination in the trial. I always tell them, look, if the lawyer starts to badger you and get heavy handed with you and beat you up, the lawyer's taking a risk, especially if you've come across as straightforward and the jury likes you. The jury's not going to accept that kind of behavior until they think you deserve it, until they think that, well, they don't trust you and you're asking for it. And then they they accept it. Is is that fair to say in this context, too, of congressional testimony? It's exactly fair to say. And that's why the most powerful tandem, you know, the people who are listening, I'm not talking my book, you know, uh, well, I'll just tell you, mm-hmm. the most powerful thing you can do is get an attorney and a comms person together before you ever need them and just make sure those two have no look passing and complete each other's sentences. Because you can't just say anything for comms purposes. These days, we're such a litigious society mm-hmm. that a, an amazing lawyer, like, I mean, I use Bill Burke as an example, J.P. Kernison uh, on your team. I, I work with those two a lot. Those two guys know how to protect their clients, but they also understand the real world. And they understand comms. They play three-dimensional chess when everyone else is playing checkers. So if you get lawyers like, attorneys like that that have that, they will protect you. Uh, and then you have a comms person that can sand it off around the edges. Now you've got a powerful team. Here's what you got to be careful with. You can have clients, if you're listening to this, we've all been in this situation where we go into a meeting or a room where we're just quite nervous because we don't know the batter's box. Yeah. We don't know what we can say and keep ourselves out of legal trouble, okay? And so what the three university presidents did wrong in their testimony was try to play defense, just try to survive, mm-hmm. okay? Well, that doesn't work in the military or in life. If, if you mm-hmm. are running around, more people get killed than if you charge and, 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 and address the objective. I know I was a military officer. And so, so, um, so the reason your um, counsel is so important is if your lawyer can look you in the eye and say, if you, if we, we are unified in our advice together. If you do this, you're going to not only survive, probably make a couple good points, but you're not going to have legal jeopardy. The confidence factor psychologically for your client, you can just see it in their face mm-hmm. because they're scared to death that they're going to get sued over something they say. Right. Okay. And that's the power is wargaming. Uh, you know, the, somebody scared those three university presidents that they might get sued or this or that. All they had to say was, hey, sue me. Uh-huh. I think it's genocide. I think it's wrong. Mm-hmm. Who's going to sue them? Who? Right. <laughs> and so, but, but, um, so, so I agree with your, your counsel. I think you're dead on. Right. Are you a lawyer, by the way? No, I, I play one on TV. Not at all. Sorry. But, uh, <laughs> but, but I mean, you've been through this enough. Well, I mean, what is the role of a lawyer in one of these hearings? What standing do they have? I mean, it's not like court where you can object to the form of the question or say that's irrelevant. What can the lawyer do in one of these I, I forget who it was, the lawyer at Wims and Connolly, when Oliver North testified, who uh, said, I'm not a potted plant when a senator, yeah, yeah. you know, said, hey, you know, lawyer, what are you doing here? Keep your mouth shut. And he said, I'm not a potted plant. I'm here doing my job. But really, what can a lawyer do, get away with? How can a lawyer be helpful in the hearing itself? So the first thing is, um, this is visual and psychological, but, you know, you, you don't want to look like a Mike Tyson fight where you're walking in, there's 20 lawyers behind you. Okay, because right? that, that's like waving a red flag in front of members of Congress. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, I used to work on the Hill. I know that. They, okay, they saw this guy brought all these lawyers. We must really have them. Let's go. Let's 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 make them angry. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, and I, by the way, I used to have all in, Oliver North's old office in the White House. It was cool. Uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, I wound up. He, he's a good friend. Uh, I, I thought he was just just um, just fantastic. 
But the most important thing a lawyer can do is give them comfort that they're not going to create any jeopardy. Okay. Is, is, is paint the batter's box for them so they know, okay, I can run around here and talk about this and have this metaphor there. And they're going to ask this and I'm going to say that. And then they're going to follow up with this and I'm going to say that and know sort of the space. That's the most important thing they can do. Number one. Number two is, is great lawyers like, frankly, your, your firm, frankly, who I think is unrivaled, great lawyers and attorneys know how to do research. And the best lawyers on the planet, I'm, I'm picking on Bill Burke and JP just because I know them, the best lawyers on the planet and you, sir, can make an argument cogently, okay? And if you can make a cogent argument, okay, uh, it's the old saying, I wrote you a long letter because I didn't have time to write you a short one, mm-hmm. okay? An attorney that can do that is so unbelievably powerful, okay? And I, I don't know for the life of me why every law firm in America doesn't have comms training. Because even your attorneys who are on, who some of them are just horrible at it. It's like some comms people are horrible. There's the old saying, you know, somewhere in the world is the world's worst doctor and somebody's got an appointment with them at three. There's some lawyer that's horrible, uh-huh. right? But, right. But, but with just a little bit of training, they can sort of see. I always say to law firms, look, let us come in and talk to you about how, how the news is made. Yeah. Because I guarantee you where you think it's made is not where it's made. Right. Okay. Ask GameStop what happened on Reddit, right? And, and, and how that happens. So, so, so. A good lawyer that knows that with the research team can be so powerful. The other thing lawyers do, you guys are so much better. A lot of comms people are there that make, they, they can make the balloons and t-shirts match. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're, they're not really substantive. I, I think we are, but, but some of them are. In your situation, attorneys with research can go find things. That I'm, I, a good attorneys with research can go find things, evidence that make the point. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, Congressman, I'm glad you asked that. It reminds me of, sir, when you mm-hmm. wrote a letter here saying, Yes. You got them then. It's over. Right. You know, right. so, so that, that's what a good attorney can do is, is, is say, you know, Hey, ma'am, sir, testifying, we found a letter or a podcast they did. Here's what they said then. Use their words against them. Mm-hmm. And they, fl- they, 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 they fold. So, right. so lawyers are so substantive, right? And, uh, good ones are. And, and that substance can win the day. Cause if you get one or two facts, they say nothing focuses someone like a number, mm-hmm. okay? a number or a fact or a metaphor. Oh man, that's so powerful. And lawyers are good at it. Right. Well, I mean, would you say that, I mean, do you watch uh, uh, hearings other than the ones that you're personally involved in? You, All the time. Know, to see how All things are going. And uh, I, I do. And, and what are the most common mistakes that you see? Or, or uh, you're watching somebody testify and you think, gosh, uh, I, if I, I wish I'd been involved in this. If, if I'd been involved, that person wouldn't have done this. You can, you can tell when. Um, the person is scared. I, I, I testified before Henry Waxman's committee. I, I was scared. I didn't mean mm-hmm. Henry Waxman. A lot of you don't remember him. Who's listening mm-hmm. to this? But like, oh man, that guy. But what I'll tell you is that um, you can also tell when all they've got are like three points. Mm-hmm. Okay. In these days, remember, congressional testimony is not event driven. If it's event driven, you're losing. It's got to be dialogue driven. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going to say something that sounds uh, completely um, contradictory. You don't want to be sitting there talking for, it's, it's, your goal is not to talk around the clock. Your goal is to shut up and get out of there. Okay. Um, but you want to have a dialogue. You want to say, Senator, that's why I'm glad you raised this because I know you wrote a letter three years ago that said this. And I know you had HR 4687 that supported that. Or your colleague over here is HR, you know, 3629 that su- addresses this. Those are words that show you as a sensible, well thought out person. The mistakes people make is they come in there and they've got, you know, 
It looked like it's an Al Qaeda kidnapping video. They're equivalent holding up a newspaper and just saying, here's my three points. Mm-hmm. And, and members of Congress can tell when they've got you. Mm-hmm. Remember, they got elected. Mm-hmm. Okay? They know how to kiss babies. They know how to ride on the back of fire trucks in the local parade. Okay. They know how to go to gun ranges and get votes. They know how to get elected and they know what real people are asking. So, so, so you can tell, and you can also tell when the comms person is not involved. Mm-hmm. Okay. It just wasn't involved and it was just legal. Or you can tell when the comms person was involved and the legal wasn't involved. You, you can just see it. Mm-hmm. I mean, what you said is a, a little, uh, seems, uh, inconsistent with what might, one might think that, okay, you want to make it simple for the witness. You want to have the witness to have just two, three, four points, sort of anchors. Sometimes we prepare witnesses that way. You know, you need to know what your anchors are. These are the things you need to get back to if you have an opportunity. And what you're suggesting is that that may not be the best strategy. No, I'm actually, I'm actually, I'm actually saying that is a strategy. You have your four anchors. We'll call it four mm-hmm. anchors, okay? What I'm saying is you have pivot points off those to follow up. Here's an example. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm, I'm a uh, university president testifying. They asked me that question. I would say, Absolutely, that is wrong, and I would do anything I could to stop it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but what about? And that's what Stefanik was ready to do. What about if you have professors that feel differently? What about this law? You say, "Hey, look, mm-hmm. you know, I'll have someone smarter than me look at that." But I can tell mm-hmm. you is, we can't live in a world where anybody on our campus, Jew, Christian, Muslim, anyone, feels not safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but what about free speech? I'm a strong believer of free speech. What I'm going to tell you is, as long as I'm president of one of these places. We're going to fight. You see, you see, you, mm-hmm. and, and that's, that's what people, they don't practice the pivot points. And so right. you have your four, but then you have three or four pivot points underneath so you can respond. Right. Uh, and, and I would have finally just said, look, I don't, I don't know what you want me to say. Mm-hmm. I think if they say things like that, they shouldn't be at our school. Right. Okay. Just that blunt. <laughs> and who's going to be against that? That's equivalent to saying, you know, I am against murder. Wow. What a courageous statement, you know? And, and so, yeah. <laughs> so I, I tell people all the time in comms that great Christian theologian, and religious scholar, Willie Nelson, <laughs> said it best. He said, everybody wants to go to heaven. Nobody wants to die. <laughs> okay. And so um, you got to understand, as I said before, the pain's inevitable, the suffering's optional. You're going to testify. And the quickest way to get to heaven, which is to get out of there, is to have three or four fallback points. And that's what people don't practice. I, I, beyond me why they don't, but that's what they don't practice. Jim, thank you so much. This has been fascinating. We've been talking to Jim Wilkinson from. His firm, his firm is called Trail Runner International, based in Texas, worldwide firm, experienced with hundreds of different congressional hearings. We've learned a little bit about the fine art of testifying before congressional committees. This is John Quinn, and this has been Law Disrupted. Thank you for listening to Law Disrupted with me, John Quinn. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and leave a rating and review on your chosen podcast app. To stay up to date with the latest episodes, you can sign up for email alerts at our website, law-disrupted.fm, or follow me on x at jbqlaw or at Quinn Emanuel. Thank you for tuning in.